really matters? That might be the most important question you can ask. So let's talk about it. Welcome to What Really Matters podcast, Everyday Spirituality with Karen Wyatt. Thanks for joining me here again today. I'm going to be talking about this question, can people actually change? And I'll explain where that concept came from and why I'm talking about it. But first, I just wanted to explain I didn't have a new episode last week because I took a self-care week. It was the 4th of July week here in the U.S. So I went camping and had a great time, went on some bicycle rides and some hikes. And uh, I, I just decided I didn't really have time to record an episode and I decided it's okay. Uh, so I let it go and I will probably be doing that a little bit more often. Uh, so... I, I hope that's okay with you. I hope you can tolerate that, that some occasionally, some weeks I may not be around with a new episode, but I will always come back with something for you. And it's been an important part of my emotional and mental health to be able to take some time off here and there and not punish myself or feel guilty or worry too much for not having a new episode every single week. So thank you for your patience. Then I also promised in the last episode that I would follow up on my experiment with kindness. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that. I did the five uh, random acts of kindness, and I'll, I'll just briefly list what those were. Um, in my neighborhood, there was a golf cart trying to cross at an intersection, but the traffic was a little heavy. They hadn't been able to get across, so I stopped and um, that made a space so that they could get across with their golf cart. They waved. They were so happy and so relieved um, that they could safely get across the street. Um, on the trail where I go hiking, I stopped to chat with a couple who had a really lovely dog and found out they're my neighbors and we had a very nice chat. And um, this is big for me because I'm actually somewhat introverted and shy. So normally if I see someone coming on the trail, I might divert and go in a different direction just to avoid crossing paths with them. But, you know, I realize like this social connectedness is so important. So I intentionally um, crossed paths with this couple and stopped and we had a very nice conversation and, and I really enjoyed it. Um, number three, I also, oh, also when I was hiking, I reassured a, a nervous family about their dog. Someone must have yelled at them for their dog, the way their dog behaves on the trail because the dog was overly friendly and jumping up a little bit. And um, they were nervous and apologetic and very afraid that somehow I would be offended by their dog, but I actually love dogs. So I went out of my way to pet the dog and talk to them and say, oh, I love dogs. Your dog's beautiful, so much fun. And, and um, to reassure them, knowing how nervous and worried they were. Uh, then I was standing in line. This was actually at um, a fast casual restaurant, I was standing in line, and I let someone go ahead of me in the line, because they had a family member who was up ahead, and I, I encouraged them to just move in front of me and go ahead so they could catch up to their family member, and they were very grateful for that. Finally, <clears throat> 
uh, at a restaurant. We were waited on by a server who was obviously very new to the job, very nervous and struggling a little bit with the menu items and taking our orders. And um, so I went out of my way to thank the server for doing a good job and, you know, wishing him good luck on this job and to try to just to try to give him encouragement and support. So those were all things that uh, it was kind of fun to intentionally look for ways and places where I could show kindness. Now, I also had my experiences of not feeling kind when, say, on the 4th of July, riding my bike on a bike path, and there were sometimes big groups of people who were all riding together who did some thoughtless things like all stopping on the in the middle of the path and blocking blocking the way around them and sort of oblivious to other people who were riding on the path and feeling frustrated internally about that I didn't say anything negative to them at all I I was patient and waited till they till they moved over so that I could get by um, but I was aware of how annoyed I felt internally so that reminded me that uh, kindness doesn't always just come naturally. We don't always think in the moment of being kind because sometimes those feelings of frustration and annoyance rise up. Uh, and at least I didn't act out of the frustration, but I definitely felt it. So that gave me something to think about and work on. So anyway, that's my follow up on the kindness experience. Then um, the subject for today talking about can people actually change? That question came up because over the last month or so, we've been binge watching the series Succession. And um, I, I won't tell you very much about it if you haven't seen it or haven't heard anything about it, but it's about a family of really pretty terrible people who are very, very rich and they own a, a news network and lots of media. It's modeled after Rupert Murdoch and his family uh, who own Fox News. And so at the end of the very the very last season, the finale, there was a character in the show that had gone through a lot of hardships and challenges and who seemed to be opening and growing and changing. And I was really hoping that in the finale, that character would show some true transformation. And um, it, it would be really satisfying to see that. However, that didn't happen at all. Everyone pretty much stayed in exactly the same people they had been throughout the show. And I later heard an interview with the creator of that series, uh, who said he doesn't he believes that it's possible for people to change, but it hardly ever happens. And so that's why he didn't want to show a person transforming in the series, because in his mind and from his experience, most people never change. And so that's why he wrote the series in the way that he did. And that sparked a lot of thinking for me, because in my experience, I actually think change is definitely possible. And that one of the things people need in order to change is encouragement to change. And they also need inspiration and role models for change in order to make that happen in their own lives. And so it made me feel frustrated that 
such a popular series, which had this opportunity to actually create a positive image of change, didn't do it. Instead, showed people don't change. They just stay the same miserable, awful, mean, selfish people that they've always been. They don't grow and change. And so it just made me feel frustrated and made me want to create my own writing and my own shows. <laughs> if, I, if only I could do that, that would show people examples of how even someone that we think of as the worst human being could still possibly change. And one of the reasons I feel strongly about this is having worked in hospice with people at the end of life. That's where I've seen a tremendous amount of transformation happen when people are facing the demise of their own physical self. I have seen them many times change emotionally and spiritually. They heal their relationships with other people. They work through some of their unfinished business, sometimes wounds they've been carrying their entire lives. And they actually have some epiphanies and <clears throat> revelations that come to them. And they do not die necessarily as the very same people they were earlier in their lives. So I believe that change is definitely possible and that we need people to change in our world right now. If we're going to save our planet and if we're going to save humanity, we need change to happen. So we need to encourage change. And I'll probably talk about this for a few more episodes because I may not be able to get through everything that, um, that I wanted to say today about change. But I just want to reinforce that, oh my goodness, of course change is possible. People do change. And I I've changed. I look at myself and how much I have changed throughout my lifetime. But I know I look at many, many people around me and I've watched them grow and change over the years. So I have no doubts at all that it's possible. But I sat down to think about what does it take to change? And I want to go through some of those things, but I also want to remind listeners. And if you're a regular listener and you've been listening for a while, you've heard me in several different episodes talking about different levels of consciousness development. I'll review that a little bit because where you begin in the process of trying to change in terms of your level of consciousness may determine how easy or difficult it is to change. So I'll, I'll just review those levels a little bit. I want to talk about what change requires. And um, so what it could take for those of us who are working on changing ourselves. If you're listening to this podcast, I have to assume that you yourself have changed. Something has transformed in your life or you're working on it right now or you're in that process of wanting to grow. And that's why you're listening to these things that I talk about every week because change is happening for you or has already happened and maybe you're looking ahead and recognizing recognizing more change is on the way. And so another thing to remember is that change it's is really necessary for life to occur uh, because 
you know, a seed changes, has to change its form in order to become a flower or a tree. It it simply is built into nature that change is part of growth. Change is part of life and it's necessary. So when I think of someone saying people don't change, the reason people don't change primarily is that they resist it. They refuse to change. They don't allow change that is naturally trying to occur within their lives or inside of themselves. They don't allow it to happen. They refuse and they keep themselves stuck. So um, what I would like to see is that we have all kinds of inspiration and support for people getting unstuck and being able to embrace a little bit more change in their lives. So I'm going to go back through the the four levels of consciousness that, that I've been discussing on this program, there are more, but these are the, the four levels that we see in our society right now. Uh, as as the most common. And so this is a good, that's a good place for us to just start as we talk through this. That the first level I'll talk about is called the traditional level. That's one of the names for it. And people at the traditional level of consciousness are uh, members of a group or a tribe. They don't see themselves as being important individually. They see themselves as part of a group and they take their directions and instructions and even their wisdom and knowledge from the group. It doesn't come from within them. It comes from the group. So this is the stage at which people are likely to belong to a religion or some other type of group that dictates to them how to behave, how to dress perhaps, what to believe, how to think, what's right or wrong. That information comes from outside of them and they take it in and embrace it. So they are externally motivated and externally informed about what's true in life and what life consists of. So people at the traditional level tend to be steeped in a dogma, once again, that comes from outside of them. Someone else has created the dogma and taught it to them. They accept truth as told to them by other people. And they discourage questioning, discourage self-reflection, discourage the idea that you could even know something yourself internally. And all of the wisdom, so-called wisdom that they embrace is external and outside of them. People at the traditional level are often motivated by fear and change is one of the things they fear the most. So people at the traditional level have probably the hardest time changing because the belief systems that they're steeped in, the the groups that they belong to, tell them that it's wrong or bad to change. And they get reinforced for staying stuck and staying in one place. Being a member of the group and staying loyal and true is valued by the group. And so those people who are considering perhaps changing or feel a desire to grow, uh, they're told by other members of the group that that's bad or wrong, and they're discouraged from growing. And they may feel 
a lot of drive internally to want to explore new things or learn something new or see what the rest of the world is about. But it gets heavily discouraged and sometimes even punished by the group they're part of. So people at that level of consciousness have the most difficulty changing and are likely to see change as something bad. But those who get through this level of consciousness, and one thing I've talked about before is um, that each one of us comes here, we're kind of born with a set point that determines our eventual level of consciousness. And we will reach that level fairly easily, fairly naturally in our lives. But to go beyond that level, to grow past our set point for our level of consciousness takes work and effort. So someone, many people at the traditional level, that's where their set point is. They get to that level of consciousness and it feels right to them. It feels like that's where they belong. They're content and happy there. They don't have a motivation to change. In fact, change is terrifying. So they're most comfortable staying right where they are. But within that group of people at a traditional level of consciousness, there are also many people who have a higher set point, who are, there's a longing and a desire and a need to keep learning and growing. It doesn't get reinforced by the group they're in. I mean, they're, they're shunned and held back by the group they're a member of. But when someone has a higher set point, it's very hard to deny that. And so we see a, a lot of people with a higher set point in their early teens, teenage years, will begin to rebel against the values of the traditional level and the belief system of the traditional level. And they just simply cannot survive at, by staying stuck at that level. They need to grow and need to move on. If you're listening to this podcast, you, I can assume, have made it out of the traditional level of consciousness. You have grown beyond that. And so, um, again, people at that level whose set point is there have a very difficult time growing and changing. But the level after the traditional level is the rational level. And at the, at the level of rational, we begin to recognize ourselves as individuals, not just as a member of a group or a tribe, but we see that we, we have our own individual way of viewing the world and thinking. And we begin to value our own thoughts and our ability to learn things, our ability to hold knowledge, or even our ability to discriminate different types of wisdom and to see through certain things that we had been told in the past that may not feel true to us. We, we begin to value our own inner life and our inner world a little bit. There's some ability for self-reflection at the rational level. And again, questioning is part of the rational level. And the way that you get from traditional to rational is by asking questions and exploring within and thinking about who am I? And somehow I may not be sure who I am, but I am not that. I am not that group of people. 
that doesn't fit me. I don't belong there. So um, questioning, which is discouraged at the traditional level, is one of the hallmarks of the rational level. It's okay to ask questions. Like this is where science blossomed and medicine and the ability to ask questions and study them and explore them to try to find answers. That's allowed and acceptable, in fact, and encouraged at the rational level. But at the rational level, the ego is very powerful and strong. The ego in some ways has been released from the prison of this, the group, group think that it has been part of in the past. And so the ego's desire for self protection and self advancement is very strong at the rational level. And um, individuals who have a set point at the rational level have a resistance toward higher consciousness because the ego tells them, don't go there. We don't want to go to a place where we think about other people. Our job here is to take care of ourselves. So greed is predominant at the rational level and can can guide a lot of the decisions that get made and choices that are made at the rational level. So change might be somewhat feared or discouraged at the rational level, um, particularly changes in consciousness, because uh, it's, it's moving, the next level of consciousness is moving toward a place where other people matter as much as I matter. And that's very hard for someone whose set point is at the rational level. The level that follows rational is pluralistic. And this is the level at which individuals are able to see and understand the concerns of other people. And they develop sensitivity toward groups of people that are marginalized or being harmed in society. They are able to to have compassion and to put energy into causes that are not really their own issue, but because they care about another group of people um, or even the planet or animals on the planet, some some other cause uh, they're willing to give their energy to because they have a sensitivity and a concern for others and particularly marginalized others or others who are being harmed in our society. So this level, the pluralistic level, compassion comes online and there's a lot of concern for other people and a rejection for the systems that were part of earlier levels of consciousness, like in the traditional level, uh, systems that discriminated against other people and for the systems at the rational level that are operated by greed that uh that result in one group of people amassing a great deal at to the harm of another group of people. At this pluralistic level, I have sometimes seen people get caught up in what I th- what I think of as loops in their thinking um, when they will go to such an extreme to protect one particular group that inadvertently they end up actually harming other groups because they go overboard in trying to protect one group they feel is marginalized. And the problem at the pluralistic level is that there's sometimes 
a lack of discrimination and there's an inability to prioritize which causes might matter most. Where should I put my attention? So sometimes at the pluralistic level, people are involved in many different causes and get spread very thin. And it's difficult for them to figure out what's the most important thing. Also at the pluralistic level, there's a lot of blaming Uh, toward people from lower levels of consciousness, from rational and traditional levels of consciousness. And so a pluralistic person who is sensitive to many other groups of people that it sees as marginalized or being harmed will actually marginalize people who are at the traditional level of consciousness or the rational level of consciousness. So um, that's where I was thinking they get caught in these loops of going to extremes to protect some people and end up harming others. However, uh, people at pluralistic probably have an easier time changing than the other two levels because they tend to be capable of self-reflection, of looking inward, of experiencing their own intuition and guidance. And um, so they're in a better position to grow and change than people at the previous levels of consciousness. So that's one of the good things. Um, growth and change become more and more possible as we rise up to higher levels of consciousness. So the fourth level I'm only going to mention briefly because there are very few people at this level of consciousness, which is the integral level of consciousness. And Integral is a huge leap above above all three, traditional, rational, and pluralistic, because at the integral level, people are able to look upon every other level with compassion and actually understand how people at other levels think or see the world. People at integral don't really have a lot of blame or negativity or anger toward other people of lower consciousness. They recognize that that person is just on their path. They are where they are. And they tend to to be much more accepting and tolerant of people who are, are different from them in terms of their consciousness or in terms of their politics or their beliefs or their lifestyle. The goal really for our society is to help as many people get to this integral level of consciousness as possible. And that requires a huge amount of change to take place. But meanwhile, we have to start wherever people are. So we have to think about what amount of change is possible wherever wherever someone is. And um, I wanted to mention a couple of different types of change. So within any one of these levels of consciousness, it is possible to grow within that level and to become a better person within that level. Um, if, if you, if you accept that, that way of saying it, but to become, if you're at the rational level to become the best person you can be, um, at a level of rational consciousness. So it's possible to grow and make changes within a level without switching or moving up to a higher level of consciousness. That's one type of change. Another type of change, it's called uh, translative change, is when you made, you change something that you're doing 
Maybe you change your job, your career, how you do your career, you change your religion, or you change your politics, and uh, you make what's called a lateral move. It doesn't necessarily move you forward in your consciousness, but you make a change that may make some things in your life better. So that's a lateral type of move. You're not moving and not expanding up to a higher level of consciousness, but you're making changes within your your own level of consciousness. So the really big changes are changes when you actually move from one level of consciousness to another. And that's that's really what I want to talk about as I talk about change and what it requires to make a big change like that to actually grow from one level to another. And as I said, it's the hardest and takes the most work if you're at the traditional level. Change is very, very hard for that level. Um, At the rational level, it's a little bit more possible. And yet the obstacle there is the ego and the domination of the ego and the control over, over behavior of the ego. From the pluralistic level, there are more opportunities for change since since most people at pluralistic are open minded and open to learning new things and taking in new ideas and new perspectives. Most of us probably listening to this podcast are at the pluralistic level or, uh, or moving into the integral level. And so it's a it's a really good place to be as long as you don't get stuck at pluralistic. Because some people and I see it around me all the time, the pluralistic level has a tendency to encourage victimhood, and to view themselves as victims as well and to see other people at other levels of consciousness with different beliefs than theirs as oppressors who are causing suffering for them. And that's an attitude and a mindset that can keep people stuck at the pluralistic level and keep them from moving on to integral. And so I, I'm going to talk, I I have a lot I want to talk about, about what change requires, and how we can actually foster change in ourselves, and even encourage and inspire change for other people. But I'm running out of time for this episode. So that's going to come next week, I'll get into that. But uh this week, maybe you could think a little bit about the changes that you've experienced in your own life, in your growth. As I said, if you're listening to this podcast, I believe that you have probably changed and transformed and you may today not be the same person that you were 10 years ago or 20 years ago. You may have seen a lot of transformation and change in your life. So you know what I'm talking about it's possible. It happens. Sometimes you can't stop it from happening. It, it, it happens within you. And as I said, when you're moving up in consciousness to your set point, change is, it's very hard to resist and it's very hard to stop. And you may have had that happen to you that you found yourself changing even when you didn't really want to, even when everyone around you was trying to push you back and hold you back. And yet you were changing anyway, because your set point was pulling at you and pulling you up to a different place. 
So think about that. Think about your own life story and where you've been and how much transformation you've experienced. The one thing I'll I'll emphasize right now, if you're trying to go to integral, if you would like to, to expand to and make that really big leap to integral consciousness, the one essential thing that has to happen before you can get to integral is confronting the ego. It's really important to understand your own ego and to learn how to manage your ego. And so I'm mentioning it because um, my book, The Journey from Ego to Soul, talks all about this. It's all about getting to know your own ego and how the ego operates so that you can begin to recognize it in your own life and also developing tools that can help you manage the ego from a place of higher consciousness so that the ego isn't taking control and dictating who you are and how you behave in the world. And so this is such an important step. So I wanted to mention the book, The Journey from Ego to Soul. It's available on Amazon. Any bookstore can order it for you as well. And um, you can go to my website, eoluniversity.com slash journey, and you'll find some other ways there to get the book. And that could be a good thing for you to read. And there are also at the end of each chapter, there are um, all kinds of journaling prompts and activities and things to work on to help you as you're learning how to manage the ego. So that's The Journey from Ego to Soul by Karen Wyatt. And uh, I encourage you to take a look at that book if you're at this place of of seeing yourself like, yes, I'm at pluralistic. I don't really want to stay here. It doesn't feel like this is exactly where I belong. I'm ready for something more. It might be that that these tools to help you manage the ego are what you need to get to that next level. So I'll just encourage you to take a look at that book. And until next week, do some thinking about your own growth process and your timeline. It's pretty fascinating. And I love hearing stories about how people have grown. So until next week, um, remember that we're here for love. So face your fear, be ready for whatever life will bring you next, and love each and every moment of your very precious life. Bye-bye.